Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Unboxed Life. I'm your host, Coach Silla, and I want to start off by saying I am really very grateful that you're here with me, dedicating some of your time to having this conversation with me. So let's get right to it. But before I continue, it's raining outside and I don't know if you can hear it. And if you can, please just enjoy it as background noise. If you can't, it's really a lovely soothing sound. So I'm sorry that you can't hear it. I really do hope it sort of is in the background. Anyway, I digress. Yesterday, I had a conversation with somebody about this year's goals and the person's response was very interesting to me. She simply said that this year she doesn't have any goal set, that she's really just aiming to take things as they come. Now, it was interesting, not because I particularly think that not setting goals is a great thing, but because of the honesty of this answer and the self-awareness and kindness to self that it demonstrated. Mind you, this is a very driven type A person who just last year was forking out cash to attend a vision board. What are they called? Vision board parties? Yes, to attend a vision board party. So we're not talking about somebody who's just coasting along and being lazy with their life and so on. And for somebody who's this driven, it really takes a lot of guts to trust herself enough to just take it one day at a time. And sometimes it's the best thing that you can do for yourself and for your mental well-being. Personally, the times when I've not set many concrete goals have usually ended up being the times when I've experienced the most growth. I know it doesn't make sense, but that's just how it's been for me. And on reflection, I think it's because not setting very solid goals leaves me open to seeing more opportunities around me, maybe kind of like truly in the unboxed spirit that I embody. I think sometimes when we set goals, we end up with such tunnel vision that any opportunities that don't immediately appear to align with our goals are missed. Take, for example, a goal of I want to be a senior marketing manager at companies X, Y, or Z. If you're in a certain industry, it might be that you've put on your vision board marketing manager at PricewaterhouseCoopers, Ernst & Young, or KPMG. These are just examples. Unfortunately for you, a big bank might be looking for a chief marketing officer, but chances are you've only set up alerts for marketing manager at those three places on your LinkedIn. And so you won't even pay attention if anything pops up elsewhere, even if it's a better position that probably catapults you to a place that you're not even sure you are ready for yet but maybe want to be at and sometimes maybe it's just that Ernst and Young and them are not hiring but maybe Citigroup are so for me that's one of the cases for sometimes allowing yourself to just go with the flow but that's not today's conversation today I wanted us to talk about why I kind of dislike the idea of vision boards so much Yes, I said it. I don't really like vision boards. I've never done one. I do write down my goals on in a notebook, which is similar to vision boarding. So don't get me wrong. The concept of vision boards itself is great if it's done right. Having that visual reminder of things that you want to achieve is not something anyone can argue is a bad thing in itself. If anything, it's actually a really good thing. And I would encourage you to do it if you can do it right. 
And if you don't know how to do it, get somebody who's experienced. There are people you can find who know how to do this and let work with them to do it. The reason I personally don't like them is just because I've seen so many people and I know way too many people who are avid vision board advocates and they do it every single year and every single year they dream really big and then the following year they dream even bigger and the following year they dream some more and the same thing that was on their vision board five years ago is still on their vision board today and all the while they've been putting these visions on the board they've forgotten to put a plan in place that will get them to that goal or that vision or whatever you want to call it they spend so much time on making the vision board look cute making sure that the pictures are perfect and they don't focus on the journey to getting to those outcomes so if for the last five years in a row you've been putting a picture of a nice big house or a nice big car or the Eiffel Tower for that trip you will take to Paris, or a power suit to represent the new job you will get, and you are still where you were when you first put it up, I am having this conversation with you right now. Let's talk. Talk to me and let me know why this is the case. Like, why are you still in the starting blocks? You need to convince me that spending the time dreaming about your vision actually makes sense. Anyway, setting goals is important because how will you get to your destination if you don't even know what it is, right? But for me, the vision or the goal is usually far more abstract than the plan. I don't really mind having a goal that's a bit, you know, abstract. I kind of know where I want to go. I kind of know the end game, but I don't have all the details of the end game yet. But my plan to get there has to be detailed, great detail, with contingencies put in place for when deviations need to be made. This is the only way to ensure that we will get to that destination. So if I have the Eiffel Tower on my vision board, it is not enough for me to say, visit Eiffel Tower this year. I will need to make a plan with timelines. In this case, the first thing is a list of what needs to happen for me to actualize this goal or as I prefer it, to actualize this intention to visit the Eiffel Tower. First thing I'll likely do is look up best time to visit, which then gives me a calendar date for when I will go. I then need to look up how much the air ticket will cost, accommodation and other expenses so that I have a total figure. I'll need to get visa information and eventually know I need to apply for a visa. I haven't even gone into the exact list of everything I need, but so far just this alone has already introduced many strands that I have to then plan in detail. So for example, I talked about deciding when I want to visit. I need to have a date. So let's say September, right? I will need to do my research to get to that September date in terms of whatever it is that I want to um, see when I go. So if you go online, you find details of this is the best time for the weather. This is when they are the most tourists. This is when they are the least tourists. I have to set timelines for doing that research, right? Once I have that date of September, I need to make a reservation for my flight. I don't have to pay yet, but I need to reserve it. 
and then I need to now think about how will I save up money for this trip? How much did it all come to? If I'm going in September, because it's not yet quite fully into winter, and the total cost of, three, of the trip is like 3,500, then I have seven months between now and September. This means that if I'm starting from zero, then I need to save $500 a month. I now need a plan of how to save this $500, whether I'll open a new travel account, if I'm opening a new travel account, when will I go to the bank? Every month I need to check that that $500 is there. If in one month things are really tough, what measures have I put in place to make sure that the following month I can tighten my belt and recover that $100 that I used instead of putting there? Is it that I won't pay my TV, TV subscription in order to get back on track? So now that we've got the money side sorted, do I need to apply for a visa? If so, what do I need? When will I put all my documents together and put in my application? Is it in July? Is it in August? Put a date next to that in your list, in your little notebook or whatever it is you use and so on and so forth. I hope you catch my drift. The point I'm trying to make is that I don't have to know all the details of what the Eiffel Tower looks like inside and so on, but I certainly have to know all the details of how I will achieve that goal of visiting the Eiffel Tower. Otherwise, it will be on my vision board forever and ever and ever. Amen. And that is not a situation we want to be in. Now, I know my example sounds intimidating, but it really isn't once you get a notebook or open one note on your computer or whatever it is you put your notes in to organize your thoughts. So let me give you an example of something on my own list of goals this year, which is improving my French. I did French in school, but that's nearly two decades ago. And with no practice, I'm almost back down to zero. So the goal is to communicate better in French by October this year, just in case that Morocco trip comes my way if the pandemic decides that we're allowed to go back outside. And maybe I need to navigate my way around Casablanca comfortably. So what I've put as part of my plan is to commit to 15 minutes of podcast called coffee break french every single day so every day i do 15 minutes it's a really good podcast if you're trying to learn a language i would recommend it very highly because you get a chance to practice you listen you can pay for the premium version which is even better i haven't paid for the premium version yet but we'll see how it goes and whether i want to commit because i only started this a couple of weeks ago and so far i'm quite happy with the podcast version that's not paid Anyway, I've also identified friends who can speak French and I will be practicing with them. And then in three months, I will check in with them to hear what they think. And if they think my progress is too slow or if, or if I myself feel like I'm not yet confident, I have a backup plan, which is to sign up with a French tutor, either in person or in preply, depending on where I'll be and what my schedule will look like in three months time. So that sort of breaks down one of my goals and how I've broken it down. I've broken it down to 15 minutes a day, which equates to a certain number of um, hours a week and then a month. And then in three months, we do a check-in and then we revisit and adjust if we need to get more support and things like that. And the reason I, I really want to emphasize preparing and planning and executing 
is because we tend to look at people and think they are lucky when they achieve their goals, when they buy that house, when they pay off that mortgage, when they have a better relationship with their family, when they buy that car, whatever it is that their goal was, we think they are lucky or they are blessed or whichever God they pray to is listening to them. I don't know. I remember a friend wanting to switch careers from architecture to something in communications or something more creative, I can't quite remember, because he felt he was better suited to that. And so I was trying to give him some advice around you can't just switch like that, like you just don't, you have to have a plan. And um, I remember him then saying to me, well, easy for you to see, to say, and you can't really give me advice because you're just generally lucky. Everything happens well for you and that's why you managed to change careers so easily. I nearly laughed in his face, but he was very serious, so I let it go. But I don't honestly believe anyone is just lucky. Sure, some people appear to get favor from somewhere. And yes, some of us have had things aligned for us that we had nothing to do with. But behind the scenes, even those people are putting in work to see the goals that you see manifesting in inverted commas and you think it's a miracle. People are putting in the work. For this particular friend to say, I was just lucky to switch careers, what he doesn't know is that around 2011, I realized that while I loved being in tech support, there was no future for me in the organization that I was in if I stayed the course. Like, I'd have a job forever if I wanted to because I was really good at my job, but it wouldn't be at the level that I knew I wanted to be at. I was a hard worker and I was excellent at my job, but my goal was to get to the top. And let me tell you, hard work and excellence alone were not going to get me there. Neither was putting the words boss babe on my vision board. I also looked at my boss at the time and the work that he was doing, and I realized that I didn't want to be doing that kind of work at his age. So the goal for me became to transition to something more interesting. I wasn't exactly sure in the beginning, I just knew it had to be higher in rank than where I was at the moment, and it had to be something interesting. I eventually um, went for what was something that was emerging in the sector at the time, it was called ICT for development. ICT for D, in short, was basically using technology in the field, so in the work that was being implemented. Normally, IT people kept the lights on, they ran around fixing printers, uh, making sure the network works, blah, blah, blah. But ICT4D was now sitting with the people who were actually implementing programs in communities and making sure that you could use technology to help them. So the organization I was in looked at a variety of things, education, health, sanitation, child protection, name it. So I knew that there would be opportunities within there to venture into when it came to technology and how to apply it. But such positions or such jobs didn't even exist. I knew I had to get into that space and so that became the goal, to become an ict for d professional. Indulge me with the story time. I will get to that point eventually. So now we have a goal, become an ict for d professional. But now, more importantly, we need a plan. So my first step was to start researching this new field and understand everything there was to know. 
once that was sort of I was confident in what it meant and I was sure that this was the direction I wanted to go I took a leap of faith and I enrolled into three certification programs by a very little known organization at the time that was offering courses in this space for those of you interested they are called tech change and now they're a big organization they offer really good courses and I loved their model of teaching even then uh, but yes, I enrolled into those courses that I didn't even really know much about. Um, I saved up for it. I enrolled and I completed them. I tried to get my organization to pay for them, but they didn't know what they were or how they were related to my job. Because in truth, they weren't directly related to the job I was doing, so they couldn't see why they should pay for me. These were related to my future self. They were related to getting me to my goal. So I paid, I paid for themself, for myself. And somebody even asked me why I was wasting my money on courses like these that didn't make sense. I was just like, relax, I have a plan. This is part of the plan. Next, as part of the plan to get to the goal, I started inviting myself to meetings in the organization that no one would invite an IT person to. I would sit in meetings with um, what I'll call the business. So IT would probably be focused mostly on internal operations while the business was more externally facing. So I would sit in the back of those rooms because my goal of ICT4D was all about helping them to use technology to solve any challenges that they might be facing. So if I stayed pulling cables the whole time, I wouldn't see the opportunities. So I sat in the back of many meeting rooms, listening, taking notes whenever I heard what sounded like a pain point. And again, part of the plan, patience. I was executing. I was not sitting in my office praying for an ICT4D job that didn't exist to land in my lap. Eventually, I heard a pain point in one of the meetings that I thought would be quite easy to solve with technology. Okay, okay. Maybe not easy, but the potential was certainly there. And then because luck always favors the prepared, I also found myself a sponsor and mentor in the organization who was more senior and was really, really keen on this work that I wanted to go into. And so he helped me figure things out. He helped me learn new things. And I was like a sponge. I was just taking everything in. He would, we would argue, we would clash, and I would just go back, regroup, and remember there's a goal. This is part of the plan to get to the goal. A sponsor is what I will need. And so anyway, he connected me to all the right people. And within one year of setting the goal and starting to execute all the plans around it, a brand new position was created for me. And I was elevated to reporting directly to the head of office because they saw that this had so much potential and that I was willing to work for it. But that's a story for another day because I realized I don't want to take up too much time with this podcast. I'm trying to keep it to half an hour max. The other story for another day that we'll definitely be talking about in this session season of the podcast is whether I think a sponsor is more important than a mentor in advancing your career or vice versa. So keep an eye or is it an ear out for that episode? I really think it would be interesting to talk about sponsors versus mentors. Yes, for another day. Back to today's conversation though, I hope my story time illustrates that people are not just lucky when they achieve their goals. It's not, I don't know, how can I put it 
in a polite way. Like they work, they put in the work, they execute, they're actually doing things. It takes identifying a goal, putting a plan in place and executing that plan. Sometimes at great personal and financial cost, sometimes at less, and sometimes other costs. Not that I'm not saying at all costs. You must never do anything at all costs, is my opinion, because the consequences might not be it. But you do have to make some tough choices if you're to get to your goals. I was literally doing two jobs for a while, my traditional IT role and this new role that was created for me before they made it official. And I was ready to work the extra hours to get to where I wanted to. So there are choices that need to be made as you execute your plan that might be a bit uncomfortable, but you need to know we are getting somewhere. We are going somewhere. There's a point to this. And so friends, let us keep creating those vision boards, but alongside them, please, please, please create a plan and even more importantly, execute. It might take you five or 10 years to get to that dream house or that dream job or to build that business empire or to have that great relationship with your family. Whatever your vision board, your goal setting, your plan, your goals look like, keep making sure that every single day, every single week, every single month, every quarter, every year and so on is dedicated to planning, executing, checking in, adjusting, replanning if necessary, and then getting back to execution. Let me say that again. Plan, execute, check in, adjust, replan if necessary, and go back to executing. Otherwise, those cute pictures might just take cute pictures. Those nice words in a nice handwriting in your notebook might just say nice words and so on. And I obviously need friends who are thriving. So please get to it. I am happy to be your accountability partner. If you can't find one, but know you need one. Yes? Yes. You can find me, Coach Silla, on Instagram where I'm most active and we can continue the conversation there. Come on over and tell me what your goals are and what plans you have to achieve them. If you enjoyed today's conversation, do refer this podcast to a friend, a colleague, a sibling, and let's all live our best unboxed life. Until next time.